0: Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Later on, I'll be talking to John Clowes, who's worked on the PR side of horticulture. John's pretty well connected and we'll be talking about four people that have hugely influenced the use of plant foods in our gardens and homes. My thanks to Sutton Seeds, sponsors of this week's podcast well now bank holiday weekend we've got three days when we can really get the garden sorted come on get that lawn grass cut and the edges trimmed and have a look if you've got a little bit of fruit and veg there should be some crops that need harvesting that will give you a bit of a free land and so you can start to prepare for the next season it's a very good time to uh, cultivate soil if you're thinking of putting in a lawn, either seed or turf. You know, If you can cultivate it now, then in four weeks or so it will have settled and that'll be the perfect time to get the seed on or the turf down. With uh, quite a lot of summer rain, it's a very good time too to plant woody things. When I was a young man, I was involved with a rose garden planting and we planted roses pretty well every month from uh, September, yeah, September. We lifted some bushes and stripped the leaves off them and planted bare root in September. And then October, November, right the way round till March, April. And I can tell you that September planting, the following spring and early summer, they just didn't look back. Didn't look as if they'd been moved at all. And so it's a very good time to be planting woody things in the next six weeks or so, if you want a flying start to the new season. Do keep an eye out for brown rot. There is quite a bit on uh, plums and apples, and this disease overwinters on mummified fruits. And so if you see uh, just soft brown rot and rings of white pustules on that rotting, that's brown rot. If you could collect those up and really, well, bury them really good and deep is one way to get rid of them. But don't leave them lying about and certainly don't have mummified fruits left on the trees because that's just asking for trouble. It's a good time to take a few cuttings on things like uh, zonal and ivy leaf geraniums and fuchsias and pentstemons and osteospermums. They'll root pretty quick. If you pop them in a nice open compost and put the whole lot into a polythene bag on a sunny windowsill, they'll root pretty quick. Uh, House plants too that have been out for the, for the summer holidays, so to speak. I'm thinking of things like Christmas cactus and uh, cyclamen. Uh, You need to think about bringing those in in the next week or two. Scrape some of the old compost away from the top, well and the bottom probably, and replace with a bit of new, add a little bit of a slow-release fertilizer and you'll get those growing nicely to be in flower December, January. I have a bit of a problem with uh, whitefly and red spider in the polytunnel and if uh, you have that problem. If you could use uh, the biological control now and get the greenhouse cleaned up a bit before the winter, you won't be uh, overwintering and storing the problem up for next year. We've done a little video on it using Encarsia wasp to control whitefly and also a, a little uh, parasite that eats red spider. So if you have a look at sungardening.co.uk and go down to video, you can see us. In the polytunnel, try to control the pests. I've always been interested in people, you know, sitting in a hotel lobby and watching people as they go about their business. I'm always attracted by their shoes. You know, shoes seem to tell you a lot about people. And my guest today, John Clowes, has been in public relations, John, for all of your working life or nearly all of your working life? Um,
2: Yes, I suppose so. No, not at the very beginning. No, I I originally worked, um, I left School with O levels and went into the national coal board.
0: You're joking?
2: No, no. Well, it was. Uh, I needed to get out to work and earn some money, and and I saw this job advertised as a marketing trainee, and I thought, well, that sounds quite interesting. Coal board or no coal board? I mean, my grandfather had actually worked in the coal board up in Stoke on Trent, so I thought, well why not? Let's have a go.
0: So, from the coal board, I mean, I've always known you in horticulture. How, how did you make that change?
2: Well, it, it really was no change. I mean, I've been gardening um, all my life, really, and started off with my grandparents. Um, my grandfather, uh, on my mother's side, he was a professional gardener, and he took an apprenticeship at the Theobalds Estate for. Uh, Lord and Lady Mukes, you know the the brewery, Friary Mukes, yeah, fame? yeah, yeah, and, and and he was a a, a gardener there. So I, I was always, from a lad, out in the back garden picking raspberries or whatever was available and and tasting and growing.
0: So it's in the blood, John.
2: Uh, well, yes, yes, and 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 I enjoyed it. I mean, even at school, I. Um, I worked at Stevens Nurseries in uh, the Lee Valley on the rose-growing side. So uh, that's what I used to do in my school holidays. So I was never far from horticulture, I'm afraid. I never did think I was going to get into it full-time.
0: What was your first full-time job then in, in horticulture?
2: Uh, was at PBI. Um, PBI advertised for a brand manager. And um, after I'd done all my... Uh, marketing degrees there and I took that up in Waltham Cross so that was in around 1966 I think yeah PBI and so I was there sort of um, sounds grand but as a brand manager I looked after the lot from Baby Bio Ruth through to Core cool Glass and you know, lots of other things yes but that
0: meant you worked for the indomitable DG Doc, Dr. the Doc.
2: David Hessian, yes, Doc, as we all called him. Yeah, what uh, a
0: what a character he is. I mean, uh,
2: uh, and still <whistles> is. Thank goodness. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I met him recently, and he's still going strong. Yes, formidable as you say, hard taskmaster. But um, hey, I think he was the, 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 the one that trained me to actually be able to write. Uh, and the training was uh, to deliver a piece of work and for him to send me away and say start again and uh, and then do it three more times during the day. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So after I'd I'd been there for, I think it was about between 10 and 12 years, I think, I was um, an accomplished writer, as David was. I mean, based as a soil scientist, I mean, he ran the PBI company and, and all its different gardening brands like Top Rose and Top Lawn, with a flair. I mean, he he was always full of great ideas and, uh, and great at PR.
0: I mean, his uh, series of books, The Be Your Own Expert, I mean, what an author, eh? Uh,
2: what an amazing <sighs> author, yes. I mean, but I did use that to my advantage too. I must admit, later on when I was self-employed, I did write a few books
0: myself and got them published. Yeah, so great training. great
2: training.
0: John, one of the things I had in mind when I invited you to speak was the people behind uh, fertilisers. Yes. And certainly the doc. Yes. He was Mr Baby Bio, wasn't he? He was, he was. I mean, that little flagon-shaped bottle and the brown liquid... Um, was it five drops to a pint? And five
2: drops to a pint every time you water. So yeah, yeah.
0: And, then, and then he did the tie-up with the great houseplant nursery, Thomas Rochford, and every plant label, millions of them, <laughs> had had on the back feed with Baby Bio.
2: Great product, and, and of course, um, apart from the Baby Bio, there was the large bio plant food, which was one of the, the best sellers then in the, in the 1960s. And he did a great job maintaining sales um, all the way through. Um, I mean, obviously, his uh, br and houseplant expert helped, and that did sell millions of copies. Yes, that's right. And and probably still does.
0: But then, John, why did you leave, and where did you go?
2: Well, it's sort of. Um, I, I think um, I, I wanted to be a bit more creative and, and less under the hammer. Perhaps we could. Uh,
0: under the, push, 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 right?
2: under the cosh, Under the
0: cosh.
2: He was not the easiest of men, men to work for. And uh, Although I got a fair amount of uh, diligence and, and strength, it was uh, after 10, 12 years, I think it was, uh, I'd really had enough. From there on, I actually started, I was self-employed and have been ever since. I actually started then working for garden centres and providing them with marketing support one of my first ones was um with alan and mary gudgeon uh, over at walden garden centers in the uh cattlegate road area of enfield you probably know i mean well that's
0: what we call the golden mile isn't it i mean there's gold? seven or eight garden centers all in a row they're all competing with one another
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 it had to be good over there so i honed my skills there and and working for um Bob Bickerdyke up at Brampton Garden Centre, you may remember. Oh, that,
0: yes, a lovely family,
2: yeah. And Bill Bickerdyke at, uh, at his Sandy Garden Centre.
0: Yeah, but John, you, you were um, alongside what I call ICI, Plant Protection, uh, Zeneca. You did a fair bit of work for them too, didn't I, you?
2: I certainly did, yes. Uh, that was in the, started in the early 80s, yes. I helped to create their trade mailing newsletter called Mainstream, you may remember it. We used to do about three editions a year and, and tell the trade all of the, the great things that we were introducing as ICI or Zeneca. We were also telling them, of course, about this new plant food that had been found over in America that we launched in, in 89.
0: Well, then you come across another character, John, didn't you, with uh, Horace Hagedorn. I mean, <laughs> he was something else, wasn't he? He
2: was an amazing man, an advertising man. He'd found this product because the inventor, uh, well he was a a, a nurseryman who was selling trees in America, mail order, and he discovered that perhaps a a unique way of actually selling them was to accompany each sale with a sachet of plant food that you would use to feed the plant, the tree, the shrub, after you planted it. Well, sure enough, I mean, this then became absolutely fantastic because for the first time, planting bare root trees was um, quite easy. And and, and America took to it amazingly well. And and Horace, uh, who was the man behind the advertising for it, thought, I think I need to buy into this. <laughs> I mean, he's a Madison Avenue man going to work in, in, in an office and he thinks, well, I don't know, why should I go to New York every morning and do advertising when there's this product that is so good. If I start doing some advertising and do advertising, I can make a fortune out of this and not have to really work particularly hard.
0: And Johnny did make a fortune, didn't he?
2: He made, yeah, several millions in his uh, 89 years. He built a, a huge business uh, in America. And then his son came on the scene in America, ho, who had left the, uh, the Air Force um, and wanted a job. And Horace gave him the job. And he said, well, you can be in charge of the launch of miracle Grow plant food internationally, and your first job is to come with me to the, uh, the UK and establish uh, the product to, to help launch. And so the pair of them, Horace and Jim Hagedorn, um, is where I first first met them in 89. In
0: I remember those days, John, when Horace did the first press briefing. Yeah. Uh, and all the press turned out in the days when we had you know quite a formidable press gang.
2: Uh, and, and a formidable press gang that were quite convinced that introducing a new soluble plant flow was a total waste of time. They'd got fostrogen, or the UK gardeners had got fostrogen, and it had got more than 80% of the market, and why not? Bobby Manners, do you remember the man who ran fostrogen? Oh,
0: yeah, another, yes. He was a real gent, wasn't he?
2: He was a, yeah. real, a real gentleman. Yeah. But he was selling his products, um, on, a, on, a, on a price basis. So you could, you could make a, a gallon of plant for, for a knee <laughs> And uh, if you could remember, this is pre-decivilization is as well. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, so that's what we were up against in, in that press conference that you, you uh, mentioned. Uh, so lots of people stood up and said, well, well what, what, why should we change? And of course, Roy. Do you remember Roy Taylor, who was the technical manager? He'd done hundreds and hundreds of plant food trials, and so he was able to actually show on the the screen various different plants that had been fed with various different things, uh, as per the the label, and to prove that the Miracle Grow plant food was going to actually produce. It might not be a halfpenny a gallon. And it definitely wasn't. It was a lot more because you were putting on a lot more plant foods, but you were going to get some much more spectacular results.
0: Horace was always good with people, wasn't he? You know, not just an advertising man prepared to invest enormous sums on TV. He really went for the keen gardener first, got them on his side, didn't he?
2: A keen gardener. I I travel around the country with him, um, uh, with John Ashley um, and, and a film crew, and we uh, later on actually used to go round and talk to these people and, and ask them, so well, how are you getting on, and what's this, and what have you used, and how do you use it, and all that sort of thing. And Horace was was always keen to meet these gardeners, and he was keen. He didn't want to go to large four-bedroom detached houses. He needed to go to the council estate. And he used to say to me, John, this is my country." <laughs> and we would go there. There'd be just ordinary gardeners having uh, got beautiful front gardens, growing lots of different veg in the back garden, and uh, and and having a great time and lots of satisfaction.
0: Well, now, John, to bring us up to date, Horace's son, Jim, who was uh, an American pilot, wasn't he? He flew uh, F-11s. That's right. Uh, And, I mean, he really fires from the hip, doesn't he? We talk about characters. Uh, I mean, he was impossible on occasions. And now he's withdrawing away from the international market and just concentrating on the home market, isn't he?
2: That's true. I mean, miracle Grow has been in the UK market and internationally, Uh, since 1990 so what have we had, 27 years the way they look at it it's um, it's not growing as a gardening market in Europe or in Australia it's uh, lots of competition and so there's very little exponential growth possible as a business it was small in comparison to the turnover of the or grow business in the states and Canada, etc., of nearly three billion dollars. Goodness, what a market! But John, so, you're, so the UK, so the Europe business was about just over five hundred million.
0: But John, you're just back, yes, from a sort of thank you visit to the states, yes, and saw some quite interesting research still being done at Maryland in the Maryland, home, of,
2: yes, America. yes, in Ohio. Um, but they've got research stations all over the the US. The money they um, are going to be making from the sale of the international side is going to the the growth areas. And the growth areas are um, hydroponics and they're also going to the Roundup Ready grass seed market where they've been investing and doing research for more than 20 years now um, on genetically modified grasses mostly for sports turf rather than home lawns, so we're talking golf courses, etc. But at the moment, this is a, a big area which is growing very fast and needs a lot of um, brain power and energy uh, beside it to, to continue with that sort of growth.
0: Well, Jim's certainly got that. Certainly and, and, you know, and It must be 10 or 15 years ago when I was uh, at Maryland, I saw the beginnings of that work. And you had a grass with nitrogen-fixing roots. Mm-hmm. Um, you had grasses that uh, would resist drought that didn't need cutting so often. I mean, yeah. it was amazing what was coming through.
2: Yeah, we actually saw in the laboratory the gene gun, which fires um, these genes into cells, so that you've got all these improvements. But one of the also the improvements is that um, with a uh, non-selective weed killer, you can actually kill any rogue grasses that you actually get growing in the turf so you can get rid of in america as you probably know they have awful troubles with crab grass which infects everything um, and various other things and and those can be got rid of fairly easily with uh, one spray of roundup
0: when i jump for the future what about young mr richard jackson who's now launching his flower power fertilizer. I mean, is he going to do what Bobby Manners did, what the doc did, what uh, Horace did? <laughs>
2: yeah, well, I mean, he, he's, he's starting it in exactly the right way, which is promising a fair amount of advertising and publicity, and that's, to be honest, the only way that it really works. You have to spread the word, you have to get gardeners to try it, and once you've done that then the the world is your oyster. Exactly.
0: I mean, plants are like us, John. They need feeding, don't they?
2: Well, uh, they certainly do. And yeah, if, I mean, you know, we saw that, Peter, didn't we, with your sun pots of gold competition.
0: Well, that was fantastic, wasn't it? The well, colour that people get into their gardens.
2: Yeah. Yes, and, and I mean, you proved um, there that... Uh, in in the newspaper, you you feed a plant really well and you can get some astonishing great results. And I can remember, well, for what, 10 years from 1991 right through to the new millennium, you ran competitions in the sun and luckily your editors published loads of our super pictures of ordinary gardeners with fantastic results.
0: Well, John, as I look back, I think those four characters have really helped people get much more satisfaction and bigger yields and better growth just by adding a bit of fertiliser. I think so too. Yeah, John, thanks for all you've done. hope to speak to you again soon, particularly about green Fingers, because you're now working with Greenfingers, aren't you? Uh, yeah,
2: well, volu- <laughs> volunteering for, for Greenfingers is a slight difference.
0: In retirement, we In have to give our services.
2: Yes. That's
1: right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I'm still feeding Miracle-Gro onto my melons and boy they're growing quite well. I think I might have left a few too many on the plant. There's six there at present. And we've got them hanging in one of those nets that you get with citrus and onions. Somebody came in the last week and said, oh, I didn't realise they grew that fruit in the nets. <laughs> Seeing is believing isn't it. My thanks to our producer Charlie Jones And to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this week's podcast. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby.